Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Look at verses 25 through 32. I'll read them first for us. <clears throat> this is almost like a continuation of Pastor Jared's message last week as he talked about putting off the old and putting on the new. It's a little bit different because I think there's a little bit more of a specific application that comes in these verses. Let's read them and then we'll move right into it. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Rather, or instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You want to put up the first picture for me? Thanks, guys. All right. Now, I'm going to ask a duh question, but I'm asking it because there's a point behind this. Which do you think is the follower of Christ? All right, good guess. Yes. You should win a prize. No, you shouldn't win. It's, it's obvious because when we look at Mother Teresa, we see someone who's done so much for Christ and I don't think Hitler ever proclaimed Christ. And even if he did, just if you look at what he did in the end, you'd have to say, come on, man, there is no way that guy was a follower of Christ. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm trying to be overly simple because I think the message today, and this is the point of the picture that I have here, is to point out that there is a marked difference between those who follow Christ and who, those who don't. Now, I'm not comparing everyone who is a Christian to Mother Teresa and everyone who isn't a Christian a Hitler. I'm not saying that. The oversimplification of what I'm trying to get across in just this simple picture is there is an obvious difference between those who follow Jesus and those who don't. I remember my first youth pastor way, way, way back some 30 years ago and I remember him telling the story, and you can put the picture down. Remember him telling the story of how he had found out that someone else in his school was a Christian during high school. And she said to him, wow, I never knew you were a Christian in high school. And he was saying that because it was an indictment on the fact that he really wasn't different than anybody else. And so whether you're in junior high or high school or college, you're in the marketplace, not in the marketplace, wherever you are, I think Scripture, I think Paul, and ultimately God is saying, if you follow Jesus, there has to be a difference. There absolutely has to be a difference. 
So this passage, to me at least, whether you're going to turn around and make this personal or corporate or even missional, it's asking a question, it's this, is are you different? I don't mean different in the sense like, as in yesterday when we went to the Brookfield Zoo with my two little girls, uh, and we're walking in, and you could see there was a group of people who were dressed like a bunch of Amish folk. And the little one, not knowing any better, goes, why are they dressed like that? She noticed something was different. I don't mean that we're supposed to be different like that, that we stick out, but different by the way we live so that we don't have someone going in our workplace, wow, I never knew you were a Christian. But they would actually say, wow, I know that you are. Now, whether they're annoyed, whether they can't stand you, or they like you, whatever it is, it's key for us to understand that ultimately there is supposed to be a difference. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Because I think the reality is that we live in a very gray world, right? Not everything is so cut and dried. Some things I can do, other people can't do. Some things that other people can do, I cannot do. And what I mean by that is there are some, some simple things like reading books. Like some people can read a book and the language, F-bomb here, F-bomb there, F-bomb there, and they're okay with that because it doesn't phase them. It doesn't affect them. But for me, I cannot do that. I cannot do that because it affects me because then I find myself in my head, gratefully, I start dropping F-bombs. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a gray world that we live in, and there's a whole bunch of issues that you can go back and forth, and it's gray. But I think, and we must grasp this as a foundation of this whole passage, God does not see our world as gray. He sees it in black and white. And I think as followers of Christ, if you're like me, and you can tend to be lazy spiritually, it's cool to live in the gray because in the gray we can kind of hope that God overlooks it all and gives us grace. But I really think as we look at this passage, God sees it in black and white. And so some of the things that we go, cool, I can live in the gray, God says, you see yourself living in the gray, but I see black and white. Are you putting off the old life (coughs) and putting on the new life? Or not. There's not a gray. It's either you put off and you put on or you don't. And so this passage is going to get pretty clear. It's going to say there is a difference. So if you're Emily in seventh grade, people should know in your school that you're different. Right? And if you're Dan at Chase Bank, right? They should know that he's different. And John, where you work, they should know that you're different too. It's for all of us. Now, I'm not picking on the three of them. It's just because when you sit in front, that's what you get. <laughs> Learn the lesson. Sit in back. Like, I don't pick on Perry. I can't even see him. First point, God calls us to be different. All right? Verse 24. Sorry, verse 25. says this. Therefore, in other words, the therefore is therefore the fact that he is looking back at everything he says, and he says, therefore... Realize this, when people become Christians, they must put off their old life and put on the new life. And he says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. So here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to run through this. Be patient with me. It's going to get a little bit long-winded. But here's the differences that we're going to see. Excuse me. Verse 25 says, first of all, put off falsehood, old life, 
The new life speaks truthfully. So there's a difference. How do you know someone who follows Christ? Is it someone who speaks falsehood or do they speak the truth? goes on a little bit further. Verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So the difference is, do you live in anger or do you live seeking reconciliation? Because that's what it's talking about here, some form of reconciliation. Instead of being angry and ultimately bitter as we move on, there's a difference between those who follow Christ, put off the old, which is anger, and they put on the new, which is seeking reconciliation. He goes on. He who has been stealing must no longer steal, but must work, doing something useful with his hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. (coughs) In other words, the difference is this. Culturally, in Ephesus, stealing was okay. I mean, if you weren't making enough, it was okay to steal. So if your boss was underpaying you, like you're making minimum wage, and you find it hard to get by, if you take home a few hamburgers, what's the big deal? Nobody notices. Big corporation, so what? Paul says, no, put that off. That's the old life. The new life says not only work, but work hard, laboriously, and not just to make money so that your family can be well off, but so that you can give to somebody else. So he says, instead of taking money from someone that's not yours, work really hard and make a lot of money so you can actually give it to somebody so they don't have to steal themselves and so that you can meet their need. So Paul says there's a big difference between stealing and giving. He goes on. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs. In other words, put off unwholesome speech, the foul language, all that stuff. Put it off, but put on what benefits, what blesses, what encourages other people. But he moves on. He says, do not grieve the Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Okay, he says, here's this angry, bitter person whom you can see in their countenance. They stand there and they just, you look at them and you know they are angry. And he says, instead of being that person, be different. Be someone who is kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So Paul draws this picture, these, all these different things, and he says, listen, there is a difference. God calls us to be different. Put off the old stuff, put on the new stuff. It's not a suggestion. Paul's not saying, listen, guys, I understand it's hard to follow God. And it is, right? I mean, could we not all say it's very difficult to do so? And he's not saying, you know, I understand that, but you know what? If you have the time, or if you're growing or feeling good, yeah, do these things. But if you're not, that's okay, it's okay. No, he's not saying that. There's no qualification here. He's simply saying, if you are in Christ, like Pastor Jared talked about last week, if you are in Christ, you are not this any longer. You must be this. To remain in this and say you're following Christ is not following Christ at all. And we're going to see motivation later on and how that fits in. But this here... These good characteristics and qualities, this is what it means to follow Christ. So, let's try it this way. Like I've told you before, if you're in a car driving with me, or you're watching me watch sports, 
what kind of follower of Christ am I, if you know me? Right? That big X. You're not supposed to be that. I wonder if that's why Dan doesn't want to drive because he sees me and he thinks there's probably other people out there and I don't want that mess, right? However, this is one of the few times that I've ever had public appreciation and I was really deeply moved. But when we were going through foster care with Janie, I went to every court date, which is unusual for foster parents. You don't have to go. They tell you, you know what, you don't have to go, you don't want to go down there, you don't have to. So it's like me traveling from Mount Prospect all the way downtown, sometimes it takes an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half to get there. But we were always there in court. And they watched how I interacted with the mom, and how my interest wasn't to steal a child from her, but to give that child safety, and to make sure that the mom herself was in a good place. And I had... The mom's lawyer pulled me aside one day and said, listen, I'm off the case. They're moving me somewhere else. But I want to say to you, I really appreciate what you're doing as a Christian. And the judge on that same day in court said, Mr. Pizor, can we clone you? Do you get that? Now, that would be one ugly clone. I get that. All right? But think, okay, the reason I went, the reason I care, not only for Janie, but for Janie's birth mom, is because she matters to God. And so all these positive characteristics were ones that I brought into that relationship, not so that I could be said, hey, you're a hero, let's clone you, but to say this is what somebody does when they follow Christ. They care. There's a difference. When the judge can say, can we clone you, what he's saying is this is rare. That's what people should be saying about us when we follow Christ. That is rare. You are different. What is it that you have that makes you different? Now, some people may hate you for that. I get that. But Paul here in these verses is saying, guys, Ephesians, men, women, children, whoever, understand if you're going to say, I follow Jesus, like many of you are saying, if not all of you, there better be a difference. Otherwise, if there isn't a difference and nobody sees it, then why should we even say we follow Jesus? Let's move on. <clears throat> oh, you know what? A couple pictures. Can we throw those up? Uh, these are, really, are kind of cool. Okay, I'm not good with the images, but anyone know what that is? No, that's a hunter. You can't see the hunter in there? Camouflage, right? Do you see him? Right? Because a lot, you can't, still can't see it. That's pretty good, huh? That's a good picture. I'm proud of myself. Okay, how about the other one? Can you see him? He's a little bit more obvious, right? A lot of us live like this in the workplace or in our neighborhood. We hide. We don't want to stick out because, you know what, we don't want to be seen as what? Oh, man, I don't want to be punched in with those Christians. Those mean-spirited, homophobic, bigoted kind of people. I want, you know, in fact, we're going to, I want to show you I'm different from them. I don't think Scripture calls us to be that kind of different. It calls us to be different, not to be different from... Now, trust me, I understand there are some really obnoxious Christians out there, and I wish that they would be like that and you'd hide, right? <laughs> but we spend so much time and energy that we don't really want to be different. Don't notice me. Don't notice me as being different because I don't want to be lumped in with them when realizing that that is not scriptural. 
Because Paul's saying be different. Paul isn't saying go to work and stand up and get on your soapbox and tell everyone they're wrong and what's wrong with them and they're all going to either turn or burn. I'm not saying that. I am not saying that. What I'm saying is there's a call to be different. So we should kind of be like this, the next two. How'd you like to hunt like that, huh? Nice little white background. No, no racism there at all. Uh, shoot that green deer. Or these guys, right? Easy targets. That's what Paul's saying. Let's move on, all right? Point number two. We know that God calls us to be different, but God calls us to be different in the way that we relate to other people. Understand Ephesians chapter 4 is talking to the church. Several times Paul says unity. It is about unity. The context here is unity. Unity in the church. Family inside the church. And I know we throw family around a lot here at Harvest. And some of you might be thinking, family, I'm not so sure we're really a family because I don't really feel loved. And I get that too. But we are supposed to be family. And Paul's talking about family. And Paul's talking about unity. And he says, this is what a unified, loving family looks like. So the context is relationships. In the midst of your relationships with people who are here at church, whether it's Rich with Brian, uh, Nancy with Andrea, it doesn't make a difference. In the church, we're going to look at these relationships and how they are actually supposed to play out. And then we're going to see, are you really the church? And are you really following Christ? Because if you do this group of stuff, then you're not being family, you're not being unified, you're not following Christ, you're not really being the church. But if you're over here, you're all that and then some. So let's see what he says. First of all, verse 25. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. You're all members of one body. Now, how many of you have ever lied? Come on, let's all raise our hands. Come on, man. It was like worship, right? We should all be doing this. Me, me. We all lied. And some of us, you know, like husbands, like your wife goes, hey, do I look good in this? Right? Uh Oh, you look great, man. (laughs) You're hot, mama. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Right? Okay. John, right? (laughs) <laughs> you lied right there in church. <laughs> Never sit in front. I'm just, I'm just kidding you. By the way, you do look great. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, though, right? But it's like, have you ever been lied to? Isn't that fun? And when you grow up and, and, and you have kids, and your kids lie to you, you embrace that and go, "Oh, lie to me more," right? Does anyone watch Last Man Standing? Would anyone admit to watching that show? Is only my family the only people who watch that show? Oh, you guys are probably out of Bible study. Maybe that's right. Okay, that's good. Good church thing to do. Yeah, I believe it's on Friday nights. There was an episode recently. His favorite daughter, and you know, I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but his favorite daughter lied to him, and he was devastated to the father. I mean, when, when my kids lie to me, I mean, trust me, guys, listen. You two guys, you know, you lie to your parents. You go, oh, man, I'm going to get away with this. We find out. We really do. Don't waste your time. Just be honest. Speak the truth. It's devastating to be lied to, isn't it? Have you ever been in a relationship and the person that you're with lies to you and they go, oh, yeah, I was at home sleeping. And then you find out they're out with someone else. Painful. It is a punch in the gut. A family kind of thing where we're lying to each other. There's no trust. There was a while 
that Kaylee was taking her peanut butter and jelly sandwiches when she was like four or five years old, and she was hiding them because she didn't want to eat them. Okay? We were finding peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all over the house. I mean, I am not kidding you. In the laundry room, behind the furnace, all this kind of stuff. Okay, that's a little thing, but suddenly trust is ruined. Have you ever gotten to a place where someone says something and you go, I don't trust you? You may not say it out loud, but you know, oh yeah, okay, I've heard that one before. I don't trust you. Relationally, lying destroys unity. It destroys the family. But we speak, or we're supposed to speak, speak truthfully. You don't have to run someone over with a bulldozer and say, ha, now I have spoken truthfully. We are to speak the truth in love. But we are to speak the truth because the truth builds up a family. Sometimes some things aren't easy to hear. But it's better to hear the truth than the lies. Let's go on, though. Verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, put off anger that leads to sin, and yet put on reconciliation. Anyone here ever been angry? We get angry all the time. Oh, man, right? If you have kids, you think you're in constant anger mode sometimes. But what Paul here is talking about is, listen, those, there are people who live in anger all the time. And there's a good anger, because that's what he's saying. There is a good anger. There's a righteous anger. Yeah, be that kind of angry. Be like uh, Wilberforce when he was angry that slavery existed. That anger drew him, drove him to righteousness, right? But he's talking about here, don't get angry. In other words, don't just go off and just just blow steam and just vomit all over people and be angry because it's just not good. And it seems to me that the anger is because someone has offended them. It's not just anger because of anger, but you've just offended me. Have you ever been offended? Right? And my response immediately is anger. I still have a hard time liking Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. Because they came to Chicago, they made us think they're going to play for the Bulls, and then they went to South Beach. That's how small of a person I am. <laughs> really? People are dying all over the world, and that's what I care about. But Paul's saying, don't be angry when someone offends you. Instead, seek out reconciliation. So if you're sitting here today, and you can look across the church and go, I'm still angry at that person. You now have a choice. Do you want to live in this anger? Or move over here and seek reconciliation. Do you want to put off the old and put on the new? Come on, man. We're people. I have to imagine there are a lot of people here who've been offended by other people. I'm sure I've offended people. Some of you have offended me. Are we going to live in that? Or are we going to be different? Let's move on. <clears throat> he who has been stealing must no longer steal, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Now, I already mentioned this, but in Ephesus, there was a culture of stealing. It was okay. What Paul's saying is, no, no, it's not. It's not okay. It, it might be acceptable practice. It's, it's kind of like, let me put it this way. How many of you drive 40 when the speed limit says 40? Well, at least now you're not lying. Excellent. See, we've already moved forward. This is great. Yeah, okay. How many of you can get up to 50 sometimes on a 40? Or maybe, no, no, don't raise your hands because I don't want, 
there might be a cops, you know, all the cops we have there, they'll be writing a ticket or something, but <clears throat> it's hard, right? Well, you know what? The, it's acceptable if you don't get caught, and trust me, it's not gonna, I'm just saying this as, a, as an idea. It's acceptable. People were saying it's acceptable to steal, so why can't we steal? We've got to make a living. Paul says, no. You are followers of Christ. Trust the provision of God and then get a job and work really hard and work harder than anybody and everybody else so that you can make money, not so that you can live in luxury, but so that you can give to other people who are in need. That's a huge difference. It's a culture shift. The culture that says stealing is okay to get by, that says, you know what, I'm not going to steal. I'm actually going to work hard so that I can make more money so that I can give people who are in need so they don't have to steal culture affecting Paul's saying that's what it means to be different but he goes on he says don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen you know I'm horrible at this in in our family we have code words okay I I don't is there a little like beep message in here like when we're putting this online so people don't freak out or should I cover okay so we we have a one of my, I, I don't know how to say this. I don't want to offend anybody. Uh, anybody watch Everybody Loves Raymond? Right? Okay, you're watching too much TV then. But well, I'm just kidding. But there's one, the, the father had, a, had a, a saying. He used to call everybody, and this is off. I got it? So, that is not a good word. But I love that word. I'm going to confess. I do. I do. But I can't say it. Although I just said it. But not normally. But we have code words in my house. So if you ever hear my ki- me calling my kids Johnny Cash or Andrew Jackson, you know what I just called them. Okay? Unwholesome. It's wrong. But it's so hard not to. Okay? I think Paul says, I get that. But... It's unwholesome. But see, it's not just words like that. But really, what Paul's saying here is this. There are words that are like rotten fish. We went to the zoo yesterday. As soon as you walk into the penguin area, man, you know you are in the penguin area. It smells bad. Okay? And that's not rotten fish. That's just fish. Imagine rotten fish. So Paul's saying, listen, there are some of you that are walking around speaking rotten fish words, man, and it is just sitting in the hot baking sun, and it stinks. Stop it. Don't even say it. Instead, speak words that give life. Don't go around killing people. Brings a picture of uh, my mind uh, immediately of the, the VeggieTales. Does anyone remember the VeggieTales Jonah where they're going around and the, the people are slapping the other people with the fish. Does anyone remember that? You know what I'm talking about? That's kind of what it's like. Stop the fish slapping and start dispensing grace. Uh, let's just go on just a little bit more. Pretty simple here. In the end, he says, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness. And bitterness is that stuff that just sits there. From verse 26, you have not forgiven that person. That rage, that Anger has grown to become perhaps a hatred, a real bitterness, a resentment that when you look at them, you go, oh, I cannot stand you. I've been in worship places where I've looked at someone raising their hands and they're worshiping God, and I think to myself, how dare you? You have offended me. You have offended me, and you have the gall to raise your hands and worship like you love God. What is wrong with you? That's bitterness. 
That's the kind of bitterness that Paul's saying. Listen, somebody's offended you? Let go of it. Let go of that bitterness. Get rid of it. Get rid of the rage, the anger, the brawling, the slander, every form of malice. Get rid of it because it is the old life, the old way. Put on what? Kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Paul's a nut. What is he talking about? Does he not understand that I've been offended and that it's not so easy to just go, oh, okay, yeah, I'll just put on kindness, compassion, and forgiveness just like I put on a pair of socks. It don't work that way. Paul, don't you understand? Paul says, you know what? I do understand, but I also know what God is calling. All of us in the church, it's to be different, and even though it is difficult, this is the place you need to get to. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? You know, somebody offended you, just forgive me. He says, you know why? The ultimate motivation is because as you have been forgiven by God in Christ, you are to forgive other people. There is a difference there that he's trying to draw, that this is the old way of life that exists without God in it at all. So if you have this bitterness that you're holding on to and you refuse to let go of, What you're saying is, I don't want God in my life. Not in that area for sure. I'm not going to be different. It's mine, and I'm going to hold on to it forever. Paul says, man, you're living in the wrong life. The life you need to be in is this one where no matter what anyone does, and I'm not making a call for us to be a doormat. I wouldn't say to the woman who's being physically abused by her husband, say, go home, submit to him. Wow, that would be the worst advice you could give. Okay, that's bad advice. I get that. I would not say to the teenage girl or the teenage boy that's being abused by a parent and say, yeah, go home. It's all good. Forgive him. I am not saying that. There's a need to get out of that situation. But what I am saying ultimately as followers of Christ, the real difference comes where are you going to hold on to your bitterness and never let go of it and live the old life or are you going to throw all that aside and say, I will follow Jesus. I will be different. I might not enjoy it initially, but I know this is where God wants me to be because I don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. Because once I grieve the Spirit of God, that joy, that peace, that connection, that everything that comes with knowing God in the midst of all is gone. It's forfeited. Because instead of me giving my life to the Spirit, I have thus said, I will give to the devil, as he talks about in verse 26, I will give him a foothold, I will give him an opportunity to do whatever he wants. Because a lot of these things are disunifying things, but they're tied in to the devil himself. Think about this. Who's the father of lies? The devil is, right? So if you want to speak falsely, who are you imitating? Right? Speak truthfully. Who's the way, the truth, and the life? See, when Paul says, let's make a difference here, he's drawing these conclusions saying, wow, there's a huge difference. And I know the Mother Teresa thing was an oversimplification, but that's the idea. But let's move on. What else does it say? Not only falsehoods and speaking the truth, but anger and also stealing. Who lies, steals, and destroys? Who does, right? Who came that we might have abundance of life? Who do you want to be like? Or here. Do you know what I'm saying? Let's move on just a little bit more, right? Because this is what he's saying. Unwholesome speech, but bitterness and rage and anger. All that kind of hatred. Who loves to hate? 
who loves to love and forgive? Think about how our relationship with God is. Have you ever woken up in the morning or gone through the day and said, God, why do you love me? Someone asked me the, day, the other day, I don't even remember what the full question was, but where would you be without, you know, or looking at your sin or whatever it is? And I had to say, I shudder to think of what life would be without Christ. In large part, because I'm afraid of me. Now, mind you, I'm a good citizen. I try to do what's right. I try to do what's best. But there are things going on inside this head that I shake my head sometimes and go, wow. It's not much different from what I used to think when I didn't have Christ. See, this whole passage is Paul saying, listen, we need to be different. Because the choice is, will you follow the old life inspired by Satan himself, as it talks about in Ephesians chapter 2, the prince of the power of this world, who has that hold over us. Do you want to live that life and revel in that? And say, wow, this is really cool. Great, man. I followed. We won't say it, right? Because no one's going to be proud of that. Not in church. Yet we hold on to this stuff and refuse to let go. When the call is to be different and say, I will, like God, and not coming off and saying, hey, uh, Bob, you've offended me. But like God, I'm going to forgive you. No, I'm not saying that. That's arrogance. That's pride. Does anyone else know who would be arrogant pride? Oh, that was Satan, right? I will be like God. No, what I'm saying is, listen, and you didn't offend me, Bob. I'm just using you because you're sitting in the front row. But Bob, what you did, it hurt me. God's calling me to forgive you, and I'm going to, but it's hard. Be patient with me because sometimes I might react negatively, whatever. But that's, that's, that's what the family does. I don't know if my family ever pays attention to my sermon, I don't mean my, my family here, but my other family. <clears throat> Not that I have two families, like two wives. My brothers and sisters, just to be clarified. I probably should have said that in the first place. But we had a real estate, we had not a real estate, uh, inheritance issue. And uh, I was mad at one of my siblings. I was like, you got to be kidding me. The six of us, the eight of us, because my brother passed away in 83 and the, the, my niece and nephew were with us. The eight of us got together, we agreed on a certain thing, and now you're pulling out. Because you're afraid you're not going to have enough money. I was angry, man. I wanted to call him. I wanted to tell him, do you not realize what you're doing to your nieces and nephews? I had to work through that and get to a place where, you know what? I felt like God was saying, you don't know him. Like you think you know him. You don't know what his fears are. Do you want to go and tell him you're angry? Because that would be really great, right? I'm going to tell him I'm angry. When really what you should be saying is, in your compassionate kindness, trying to understand someone who has some issues that he needs to deal with because he's in a tough spot. Man, is that different or what? How often do you hear that? That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen. It's, and you know what? I want to take it a step further. I was thinking about this this morning. It's, it's, I, Paul is not calling you to be unloving. He's not saying, hey, listen, you people are unloving. He's saying you people are anti-loving. Because okay? unloving can be, hey, you know what? You come, you go, whatever. All right? You're here, you're not here, so what? You leave the church, you don't leave the church, so what? How many of you have felt like leaving the church lately? I'm just checking. <laughs> Glad nobody raised your hands, right? 
But could you imagine if we said, hey, you know what? I'm, again, you're sitting in front. Sorry, Nancy. I'm not saying you're leaving the church. But Nancy goes, hey, you know what? I'm through with this church. I don't like the food ministry anymore. I'm leaving. And uh, two years later, Nancy comes back to church and goes, hey, have you, have you been up here in a while? Wouldn't that be a little offensive? That's, that's unloving. But anti-loving is, I am so glad you left. Right? See what I'm saying? Paul's saying, listen, you guys are sitting over here saying, I don't like you at all. I can't stand you. I am angry with you. You have offended me. I am bitter. You need to do something to make this right. Old life. New life says, you know what, man, that hurt, but, but, I'm going to forgive. That's church. That's family. That's what God calls us to do. He calls us to be different. So let me finish with this, because what we have is this. We have the what, be different, and the now what, so we've given some application, but so what? Why do we have to do this? I think ultimately, as we've already hinted to, there's two lives you can pick, one influenced by your flesh and the devil, or one influenced by Christ. One, where it says in verse 26, you give a foothold to Satan. And we've seen all the ways in which Satan is active in all those areas. Or, you give yourself to the Spirit. Now here he says, do not grieve the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, he's going to say, be filled with the Spirit. The idea is the life of the Spirit helps us to be different. I cannot stand here today and say, listen, in your own strength, be different. That is an absolute waste of time. I can do the right things for the wrong reasons. But the call is... Give yourself to the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. Give yourself to the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit because there is something about God's divine life in us that marks us as different and allows us to be different because this is the life of God that is in us motivating, strengthening, encouraging because sometimes forgiving people is not easy. It's not You can't just sweep it under the carpet and say, okay, God said, so I'm going to do that. That would be absolutely ridiculous. But when God grabs a hold of our hearts and he holds onto it and fills us with his divine love, suddenly, you know what, man? That's tough. But I really have a tenderness, a compassion in my heart. And again, I'm not making fun of uh, sexual abuse at all, but it would be like the person, and I've heard many testimonies that people said, my dad or my grandfather or my uncle or my brother did these horrible things to me, but when God grabbed a hold of my heart, there was a tenderness, and I understood, and I could forgive. Man, that's not easy. It's not easy. And I don't even know if anyone ever touched my daughters like that if I could forgive them. You know what I'm saying? It's not easy. But it's the call... God in our lives. So I think there are four choices we have. One, you can grieve the spirit by continuing in sin. So you can say, you know what? I I hear what you're saying. The Bible says, don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. That person has offended me. It's not going to change. And I'm going to stay right here because this is where it should be and they need to pay. Forgetting, of course, that Christ has paid for that. You can stay in that. Or you can choose to repent. You can say, you know what, man? I have been sitting in this garbage for ages. Time to get out. I've got to turn from this. This is wrong. Because you know what? If what Paul is saying, that it's following the devil, and I don't want that. I want to follow Christ. I'm going to turn from that. Third choice is you can grieve the Spirit by giving in to sin. And what I mean by that is you might be doing good, but then you say, hey, now you, you stirred up some memories or something. I'm really ticked off. Just say, forget the spirit, and just follow after that. 
Or hopefully you can choose to rely on Christ. Because the truth is, the gospel teaches us in and of ourselves, it's not easy following Jesus. It's impossible. So we've got to rely on God to fill us, to change us. Make sense? Those are four choices that we make. It's, it's, it's great to us, but to God it's black and white. It really is. I, I, if God is sovereign, God knows our hearts and our minds. When he looks at us, he sees black and white. Now, we may not always get that, but he does. And that's where we've got to get to that place where God sees black and white, and we have to quit running around like Christians are saying, listen, I want to be relevant to my culture, putting that as a God in some ways, forgetting that our relevance to the culture is not because we are like people but our relevance is found in the gospel because we're different and it's not because we're great people because i can tell you there's a lot of people out there that are much better citizens than i am the difference is the gospel it's christ it's jesus his life in us that makes us different so here are my challenges for you i don't know how much you've been tracking with me or not but I'm going to say, you know what? Don't leave today and just go, eh, nice, eh, boring, eh, didn't hear what he said, eh, same old, same old, whatever it is. Please leave with a reaction. I would prefer, to be honest with you, that you would send me hate mail than for you to just walk out of here and say, eh, whatever, same old, same old, Sunday, Sunday. That would be a horrible thing. Because I think God is calling us to be different And if we can walk away and not be touched in some way, shape, or form, it's not because of me, but because of what Paul is saying, then we miss the point. There's a challenge. Don't just leave. But reflect. What is God really speaking to my heart? Because there's got to be something. I can tell you, when I, I really, really believe, looking in my heart, there is a chocolate mess inside that's going to be worked on until the day I die. There is no way I'm the only screwed up person here. Anybody else as screwed up as I am? Okay, Bobby, thank you. I knew you got my back. No, I'm just kidding. That was a very unwholesome word, wasn't it? I just slapped you with a rotten fish. I apologize. (laughs) The question is, are you going to be bitter? (laughs) I I digress. Second thing is, now you can leave here and justify or rationalize, which means this. Yeah, that's what he says, what he thinks, what Paul says, whatever. But they don't know. They don't know what I've been through. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what it's like, hey, you know, this thing that I think is okay, but nobody else thinks okay, you know what, I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to do it, whatever. It doesn't matter what anybody says because I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I'm my own person, man. I'm going to stand in that. So even though you're telling me all these things I should be doing, I have reasons, dude. I have reasons. Okay? I can accept that you have reasons. But it doesn't matter what I think. Because really, ultimately, internally, who cares what I think, right? It's ultimately, what does God say? When he looks at your gray situation, he calls it black and white in some way, shape, or form. What are you going to respond to? Your grayness or his black and white call to be different? And the last thing, if you're stuck over here, like many of us, if not all of us at some time, I'm going to just encourage you, call out to God. I need help. And if you're like me, the first thing is, God, I need help. 
we need to get to a place where we cry out, where we are on our knees begging, God, help me to be different. Not for the sake of being different, not to look good, but so that when I represent you as an ambassador of Christ, as a citizen of heaven, showing the gospel, I want to be like this. I want to be different. This is about Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, sometimes it's easy to confess. Sometimes I feel like I want to I want to beat Paul in a competition to prove to him who's the chief of sinners. I think that's a bad attitude on my part. First of all, to be competing with the Apostle Paul for every unspiritual distinction. But that our goal is not to just admit our fallenness, but to come call out, to cry out, God, redeem us. Your spirit has sealed us. We pray, beg, change us that we might be different. Not for the sake of being different or to feel good about ourselves, but because the gospel really is about changing people who live under the wrath of God, to live under the cross of Christ, to experience love, unfathomable, unconditional, unending, overwhelming love. We can't do it by ourselves. And I know that you don't call us to do it by ourselves, but you call us to rely upon you to trust in you, that as your spirit fills us, that we can say with Paul, it is not I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. God, my prayer is that we will not rationalize our sin any longer. It is killing us as individuals. It is killing this church It is killing the church. It is a problem in our culture that has existed from all of eternity. In every culture, everywhere. When we rationalize and live in sin. We pray that your spirit will revive our hearts and teach us to hate sin. That we will hate even the thought of being relevant for the sake of being relevant. Not wanting to stick out for Christ but instead that our relevance will be found in Christ, that the greatness of your compassion would overwhelm us for the people that we live around and that we work with, even the stranger, even the enemy, that we might have your divine love because you came for your enemies. We were under your wrath, but now we are under your protection. God, may we really, truly, Be different because we are in Christ. 
Not because we want to fit in. And not because we don't want to look weird. But because we are in Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.